It's my first time. First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm Jump Ray Day Chuckle Nugget, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the first time, searching for those messages, the hope of the future, those things that make people say, hey, this is just a ripoff of Star Trek or Star Trek ripped off Babylon 5 or whatever else that's out there. We're overanalyzing it, trying to mine this show for all of its yummy goodness uh, and and just enjoy the show as we have been for the last season. And while this is not a Star Trek podcast, we are Star Trek podcasters. And so to keep us honest, we have the rule of three. Each one of us has only three Star Trek references that we can make per episode, up to three. And whenever we happen to make one of those, you're going to hear that buzzer. Once we get to three, Brent, no mas, no mas. Carry on, carry on. One of my favorite things that happens out in the world and the community of the people that watch and listen to this podcast are when people buzz themselves, when they comment, when they send in an email. Anything like that, and then make a nice, fun reference. <coughs> you doing okay? Are you Are you Sorry. all right? Yes, carry on, carry. Is it Is it cold in here? All of a sudden, is anyone cold in here? Let me just move my pitcher of water right here. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Keep that thing in your shirt. <laughs> Belly. <laughs> like, what? I I still can't believe it, Jeff. I'm still on full frontal Londo from last week. He slapped it on the cards multiple times. <laughs> I don't want to touch those cards. Ew. Burn them. Burn them with fire and run. Cheating. Give me hand sanitizer. But can you appreciate the innovation? He's like, wow, what could I do to grab some? Well, you know, I got these things that aren't doing much else. Did like he ever have to go in and like measure it and see if it was long enough to reach around? And is that a thing in the Centauri thing? And like, what do they measure from? Like, is it from the base that they go in and just make sure it can go? Or like, how do they even do that? Is that is it a thing in the Centauri culture? Like. Do you want to know how long my tentacles are? I can reach all the way across the table. We got to stop, Jeff. This is a family-friendly show. We're skating really close to a couple yeah. of things. It's in- Dude, we're just talking about tentacles, man. He's oh. a he's an octopus pod thing. Sen- Sentoctopus. Sure. Something like that. Yeah, yes. sure. Hey, you know what? People often will buzz themselves in their, uh, their references to things they said. Normally in this section, we like to read the reviews that come in for us. We're holding off on that right now because we have a lot coming in. Brent will talk about it in a minute, but we have a super, super cool giveaway coming up next week right here. And I'll tell you how you do that, but it involves doing uh, reviews. So I'm going to share with you just a message that came in from our website and one from YouTube on YouTube. Chris Nielsen gives us a little hope for the future of Babylon 5. He says, I can say with no spoilers that in future seasons, the acting is noticeably improved. Maybe they had more money for casting. Whew. I am really glad to hear that. Me too. Yeah. And then our website, Babylon5first.com. That's the number five and the word first.com. Mark sends and says that there's a lot of background explanations for many of the things that happen. 
like cast not being available or developing problems, or some stuff is a background joke. Some of the actors have real-life relationships that juxtapose as jokes when their characters interact. I don't know of how much of that you need to know, because it could lead to spoilers, but once your project is done, looking that stuff up could be a really good time. That I'm down for. Totally, yep. That I'm down for, absolutely. And what I know, so I'm going to call out, not by name, but some of our YouTube um, people mm-hmm. who, we love, like Brent said, we love the comments, love them. Please, please no spoilers. And, and, and you might not think this is a spoiler, right? But this is a really good example. Here's what I know. Uh, Jerry Doyle and the actor who portrays Talia Winters are married. So, are they? Yeah. So they're married. And uh, so uh, this thing that Mark says totally makes like it's now it's kind of hilarious. Like the really cringy, creepy, horrible way that Garibaldi treats Talia is kind of funny when you know that. Like that changes it a little bit. You don't know that. It's still just really creepy. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. And we look forward to looking back and seeing the other cool relationships. Brent. Yes. Tell people how they can win that incredible model of Babylon 5 you've got there. Right. Well, I, I got to tell you, this model is going to be so hard for you guys to win. You're not even, it's not even going to be worth it to do it. It's, okay. it's not like Jeff, I might just have to keep it Yeah. because like nobody's going to want to do what we're requiring of them to do. But I will tell you guys, here's what you got to do. You got to go over to Apple podcast or anywhere where you can leave a review. That's what we're, that's what we would like to ask you to do for us. Go leave us a review at whichever platform you have done so. And then here's what we need you to do, because this is how we're going to like, no, we need you to take a screenshot of it and email it to us at Babylon five first. That's the number five, the word first Babylon five first at gmail.com. Or if you don't want to email it, tweet it at us, DM us, just tag us in the tweet. That'll work too. And as long as you do that, then that will make you entered into win. And I hear some people out there saying, but I've already left a review. Well, you know what guys? If you've already left a review, yours counts as well. You're in. Just go take the screenshot and say, hey, this one was mine. That's all you got to do. And you're going to be entered into when this super cool 3D printed station replica of the station of Babylon 5. This is going to be yours. Our good friend Wash designed and printed and sent this out for us to actually use as a giveaway. This is awesome. You can check him out on Twitter at the David Wash. And if you're listening to this on your, your podcast app, you don't normally come to YouTube. Just come in here and hit the little timestamp and uh, look, just come look at the station. Like it's incredible. Yeah. It's a little, cool. a little, one other piece of logistics. So the, we're going to name the winner in our recap, which is on Halloween. It's on October 31st. Is it really? It is. That's when we're doing it. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. I guess it's like a week from now. I know <laughs> we're there. Wow. That's, that's Halloween. Okay. Like it happened. But so wait, if, my kid, wait, 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 how's that going to work? Because my kids are going to be like, dad, dad, we're going to go trick or treating. You know, we have Babylon five to talk about. I think your kids can wait. That's, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> you, t- you tell them Jeff said. Tell them that, right? Kids, yeah. candy will still be there. There's not that many kids out right now. That's yeah, not a big deal. It's fine. But to help us out so we can be fair, we'll probably be taking things that we receive by like, you know, that Sunday, the 30th, to the latest we can. But like, if you send it in at like, you know, I don't know, 2 a.m. on, on Halloween, we're probably not going to get to it in time. So what I'm saying is go do the, re- in fact, in fact, go ahead and pause. It's cool. We'll wait. We'll sit here. Pause. Go in, do the review, and then come back and just hit play again. So we'll give you a couple couple seconds to do that. Well, for those of us, let's get let's get to the matter at hand, and it's quite a matter for those of us who have not 
watched this in quite a long time, possibly as many as 28 years. Those who aren't watching at all are just simply listening along to with us here. Brent, tell us what Chrysalis is all about. Buckle in, guys. This is a long one. I had to actually put on my glasses. You look smart. Just to get through this. Thank you. Thank you. So much happened in this episode, guys. I'm actually going to, and try to, instead of walking through the episode, I'm just going to try to put the storylines together, if that makes sense, and not try to cross them over. Like always, it's an ordinary, normal day on Babylon 5. How do we know that it's a normal, ordinary day? Well, Londo and Jakar are fighting. This time, it's over Quadrant 37. As usual, they're arguing over who gets to use it and how they use it. And Londo says, well, it was a part of the treaty. We get to be there. And Jakar's like, yeah, we don't really recognize that treaty since we had to sign it under duress. And it's not really a treaty at that point. Well, they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. When who shows up? You remember that dude who was walking around going, hey, what do you want? Hey, what do you want? Remember him? Yeah, he was going around to all the ambassadors. Well, his name is Morden, we find out. And he's back to say to Londo that in this case, hey, I know what you want. How about I give it to you? No price. It's all for free. Just remember this when we may or may not come asking you for a favor one day. Londo's like, sure. And the next thing we know, Morden's cloaked ships are taking out all of the Narns in Quadrant 37 like they're on the Narada. Jakar is devastated by the loss of over 10,000 Narns from the sector. And he heads out to find out what's going on. He leaves a message for Sinclair. There is no going back now. Londo is shocked by Morden, but he's going to be a hero. And Morden says to some of his shadowy friends, Londo fits our needs perfectly. All right, let's talk about Delenn now. She's building some sort of tinker toy thing in her quarters. Whatever she's doing, it's making Lanier extremely anxious. And apparently it's all about a prophecy. And if she's wrong, it's going to mean her death. She goes to see Kosh, and when she's there, he opens up his suit to let her look in because she wants to see it with her own eyes, whatever it is. She agrees to keep a promise that we don't really know what the promise is and says that he'll never see her again as she is now. Hmm. Back in her quarters, she finishes her little project and uses that little Triforce thingy to turn it on because it's going to do something weird like cause her to go into a cocoon or a, wait for it, chrysalis you know that word we heard a few episodes ago or the title of this particular episode well i'm sure we're going to catch up in season two exactly what's going on here because that's where her story ends in this episode she's inside the thing and maybe we'll see what her wings look like all right let's talk about the command staff now we'll get to it garibaldi gets a warning from an informant that they're going to kill him but then the informant dies before he can find out who they are and who him is this sets garibaldi off on a quest to find out who's going to kill whom And while he's doing that, Sinclair is in his quarters with Christine. Remember her? The girlfriend? Yeah, where's she been for the last, like, half of a season? Anyway, they're talking, and there's stuff on TV about the president going to Jupiter for some reason that has to do with aliens, because that's what the president does. And that's when Sinclair turns around and proposes to Christine, and an even worse proposal than I gave to my wife. Just throwing that out there. But now they're getting married because she was like, of course, you stupid idiot. Well, while that's happening, the president is still doing more things to to piss off home guard. And Garibaldi finds out information about a smuggler named Devereaux. And he discovers a crate of Devereaux's cargo that's gone missing. Inside that crate, 
communication jamming devices that are set for the area around, wait for it, Jupiter, right where the president's going to be. Garibaldi is off, but he leaves one of his lackeys to guard the crate, saying, don't let anybody touch it. Unfortunately, that lackey is actually working for Devereaux, and he winds up shooting Garibaldi straight up in the back at point-blank range. In the med lab, Garibaldi is able to do what the informant couldn't do. He tells Sinclair that someone is going to kill the president. Well, it's all for naught because the president's ship blows up like really good on TV, ushering in the vice president as the new president who immediately signs on to Earth first ideology. This just leaves Sinclair in his quarters musing on the idea that nothing is going to be the same anymore. All right, so let's recap, Jeff. At the end of season one, here's where everybody is. Earth has a new president. Garibaldi's on a table in the med lab. Jakar's flying out to quadrant 37. Londo's a hero, but he's kind of feeling guilty about it. Delenn's wrapped up in a cocoon, and Lanier is really, really nervous about it. And Sinclair is in bed with his girl. I'd like to be Sinclair in this situation, to be honest with you. Jeff, what did you think of this episode, Chrysalis? Great job on the recap. That was a, that was, that was a lot that happened in this one. And I'm super good. Like, I am really good with how, like, everything ended in this one. It was a good season one finale. Totally, right? Like, it brought the threads together, set them up for the next. Like, it was just this really great tee-off for everything. But I'm excited because back in War Prayer... I expected, so they were rushing in, right, to to you know, stop when Sinclair was trying to be, you know, infiltrate home guard. I fully expected Babylon security to turn on Garibaldi in that point, you know, be like, oh, we're home guard. That happened here. <laughs> like, I saw, like, the seed back in Warpair. It happened in here. I love what's happening with Londo. We've watched Londo in a couple of episodes. Born of the Purple is one that I really think about where he's, he's at a, crossroads there's the theme right in his life where he's like you know all this bs i kind of grew up with i don't know if i buy into it anymore and he's at that like moment where he's kind of considering but then morden comes in he's like no dude trust me like your status matters like here it is it's all so i think i think that the 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 morden stuff really came at a really fascinating time uh for for londo it seemed to me like jakar starting to question some of the narn tactics and and just in in general, like he seemed very pensive and very thoughtful and not quite as aggressive as he was. Like, I, I feel like there was a real shift in Jakar. In what, in, in what part exactly are you thinking? So there was this stuff with him and Londo, you know, well, no, we're going to do like, he, he was literally wearing a cape in the council chambers, which I thought was pretty, <laughs> was a pretty nice touch. Right. And right. just being the Jakar that we've come to know and love. Right? Well, when you're ready to talk seriously about this, I'll come in. But then when Sinclair came, you know, Natoth greeted him and then the three women shuffled out of his thing. Like he just seemed a lot more thoughtful. And when Sinclair was like, you used to be peaceful before the Centauri came, just the look on his face. And then the way he kind of approached at the very end with when he had the realization that there was another player, right? The the Minbari wouldn't have attacked us. The Vorlon don't care about us. Uh, Earth wouldn't do a thing like this. The Centauri aren't capable. There's someone else. Like, I, I think it just kind of changed the way he saw things. And mm. I don't know. I, I just, I felt a shift in Jakar. And, right. But the moment, like the moment you saw it was when he and Natoth and Ivanova were on the, the train right after the president was w- w- died. And he was just like, I'm really sorry about that. Like, I, I don't know. I just felt it was a different Jakar. 
Interesting. That line where he goes, there's a different player. Mm-hmm. There's someone else out there. Um, I think up till now, cause I, I remember this guy more than I didn't remember him that well. Okay. I just remember going around asking what's up, what's up, what's up being kind of creepy. And then he does something for Londo at the very end of the story and he goes away. And I think we kind of, um, speculated that there might be something more there. And then we've also speculated about these shadowy guys, mm-hmm. the guys that kind of blip in and out and different things like that. And we don't really see who they are. And I think we've associated them with home guard. And I don't know that they're actually associated. I think these are two completely separate things. Like, I don't know that these shadowy figures are even he- like Morden is human. Yeah. Well, but I don't know be. that the rest of them are human. Yeah. You appear- oh, very good point. Good point. He appears to be, but we don't know that he is. So here's my thought, right? So in uh, Babylon squared, I was like, oh my gosh, earth force with their little cloaking devices. They're mm-hmm. the ones attacking Babylon five. I think, right, so it was in Signs and Portents when the Shadows, I think they called them the Shadows, took out the Raider ship and the Centauri guy. And Lady Ladera was like, yeah, the Shadows were going to get him. And that was, I think we speculated there was a connection between Morden and these guys. I think, I don't know this confirms it, but in my mind, like Morden says, we're going to take care of it. And then those big shadowy things show up and blow up the Narn. Mm-hmm. But then we get those cloaked things. I wonder if it's these, these I think Earth Force can cloak. Home guard with Earth Force technology can cloak. These things are somehow do. Maybe these are the things they're fighting in that Babylon squared future thing that we saw. Do you believe, and maybe this is diving into a whole conversation point, but do you believe that the vice president is involved with what happened? 100%. And when did you think that? When he gave his speech. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I mean, it occurred to me when the whole thing blew up and the pre- like he's getting sworn in and you're like the thought flitted through my head, but I didn't stick with it. But when he said, uh, we're going to honor his legacy in this thing. Um, and we're going to go with earth first. That's when I was like, Oh yeah, he probably was very much a part of this. Now I 100% believe that this vice president, this is probably always who he was. He's always been an earth first. Now I know the president, some people have rightly pointed out in comments that the president did not run necessarily on a platform of earth first. He ran on a platform of preserving earth cultures. That's very, very similar, I think to earth first, but if we want to get technical, those are a different thing. Mm-hmm. I 100% believe that he would have, if, if assuming those presidential elections work the way that ours here in America work in 2022, in 2012 or 2008, maybe not now. I don't right. know. Yeah, yeah. Let's not. Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But historically, yeah. <laughs> the way that they work here in America, 1994, when this show was made. Yeah. There you go. Um, presidential candidates choose a vice president not because of what they can do for the administration, but because of the voters that they can bring in. Yep. That's the only reason they're really chosen. And I 100% believe that that President Santiago. Hmm. Hmm would have chosen this guy to be his VP to get that group of people to come vote for him. And it's actually kind of dangerous that, that Santiago has gone. Yeah. And I could 100% believe that when the vice president saw that Santiago was doing all this stuff where he was kind of playing kissy face with the various alien cultures, that that made him mad and that he somehow very well could be involved in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even if he ordered it or, if he's even if he didn't order it, but he's just he's sympathetic to to their cause and like kind of what he wanted to happen. So stand by. We'll be right back. 
Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community, and you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. So it's been a while since we've busted out the cork board with pictures and red yarn stretched all across mm. it. But uh, yeah. allow me to dust this bad boy off. So here we go. So they made a, a short news announcement. And first, I love how this show uses media and background noise and things just to drop these little pieces throughout. Mm-hmm. Oh, the vice president's gotten off of Earth Force One at IO because he has a viral infection. And so he's going to rest here um, while the president finishes his trip to Jupiter. Right. Oh, no. The vice president's in on this whole thing. They got him off. Now, okay, red yarn, going to go across mm-hmm. in and the sky full of stars. So there's a scene where I think it was Garibaldi was reading Universe Today. He was reading the newspaper. Okay. And I made comment on a couple headlines in there. And one of them was that Psychor was in hot water for publicly endorsing vice presidential candidate Morgan Clark. Oh. So this then ties back to what we've talked about a couple of times and where I've really hung my hat that Psychor is behind all of this. They're manipulating mm. things politically, they're using their Psychor telepathic powers to you know, kind of amplify public sentiment in those things. I Uh think that they've taken a guy like Morgan Clark, who like he, he, he's probably earth first. Like you said, he was sympathetic, whatever. He's kind of fringish, you know, enough where he can, he's electable, but also, you know, far enough over where, um, where he could be swayed, but they, they, through their influence have pushed him over the top. And now he's like, I'm the man and stuff's going to start going my way. I think this is all going back to Psychor. I'm, I'm for like, I still need this stuff to come together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's so many different things happening. Like, uh, you know, we have four more to seasons track of, of it all. There's definitely still four more seasons, but yeah, man, I'm with it. I'm with, I'm, I'm feeling everything you're laying down. I'm picking it all up. And I, I think like this it. guy that Clark's going to be a thing, you know, with Santiago, we saw his picture twice. Um, you know, right. he came to the station. We didn't get to see him. Clark, he got TV time. We saw his face. He had lines. We're going to see President Clark going forward. Right. That that was one thing I noticed. I was like, wait, we never saw President Santiago, yeah. like ever. Didn't see a picture of him, didn't see him on TV, ever. We immediately saw this dude. They actually cast an actor yep. and gave him lines and paid him money for that. Like, this will be a guy. We'll see him physically on the station at yep. some point. Totally. Totally. Overall, for me, Jeff, this was one of those episodes where I didn't have a lot of notes. Yeah. Like hardly any at all. It was just, yes, all this stuff happened. The notes I did make was the president got blowed up real good. We just talked about that. Uh, Garibaldi took one to the back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Which, which. Yeah. 
one of the things I love about the episode is how it brings so many threads from the other episodes together. And I caught, I feel like I caught quite a few. I know there's so many more out there, but uh-huh. I, I loved that episode TKO and I've watched it a couple times since we watched it before. One of the last things Walker Smith says to Garibaldi, watch your back. I don't know if it's just coincidence. I don't know, but I sure when I watched this, cause I literally watched TKO maybe four days ago. So right. it was in my head and I was just like, Oh, oh that, that's cool. It's horrible, but cool. I uh, don't think that's related at all. But cool. I, I'm glad that you did. I haven't put the you corkboard down. Something yet, out of it that so, it doesn't mean. Yeah. yeah. The the what you want, dude, is back. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a note. You know, uh, Morden. We now get a name. Yeah. And I mean, man, they they owned the Narns. I mean, these guys came in with Vorlon type power and then just scuttled away. Uh, so I think this is a thing, a big bad that we're gonna find. Is Psychor attached to these guys? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Uh, Delenn does the Chrysalis change, but again, that's an unresolved storyline right now. Like, okay, there you go. But I think what we got, and this was the note I had from the, she did it because it's part of the prophecy. Yeah. But the Great Council didn't want her to do anything about it. And they're pissed at her. And, and this line that the dude from the Great Council said is, now she's committed us to this path. If she didn't do this, did this leave options open? And is this forcing their hand to do something or like, I still want to know more about this prophecy again. Yep. That happened. What does it mean? My question though, is, is it the same prophecy? Cause I feel like in Babel or in, in Babylon squared, I feel like the prophecy was really focused on humanity and Sinclair. I mean, I could have mm-hmm. been just, you know, assuming that with the, the context. And then here she starts talking about prophecy most most especially deeply religious you know cultures have more than one prophecy right so she's gonna go in this chrysalis mm-hmm. okay what it what is this gonna do to her she she goes to 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 kosh this this is honestly probably the most interesting thing she says i need to see it with my own eyes or i need to see it for myself or something mm-hmm. and he reveals himself to her that's what it seemed like he showed her, her he went londo on her and showed her like i, I don't know he just took his helmet off it's always started well right. who knows what else happened. and she's like Cool. I'm going to keep my promise now. My promise not to tell anybody. Yeah. My prom- what, like, what is that? And then she's, you know, and she, obviously she says, you'll never see me again in this form. So I think clearly that means the Lynn is not going anywhere. They're just going to ch- like, are they just changing something to make makeup easier for her as an actress? I could imagine. Or like, what, like, what is it? Uh, do I care? Is this, is this going to, is it just, is this why she's going to look different than every other Mimbari out there now? I guess I'm not saying she is. I'm just speculating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so we leave that. And then Sinclair and Christina are supposed to get married. I'm going to make a bet. They never actually get married. I think something horrible is going to happen to one of them because if yeah. they get engaged and get married in the same episode, then that's generally pretty okay. If they right. don't TV's taught us over the years that somebody's got something bad coming their way. Right. Right. And between the two, between the two, can I just say this? Yeah. Uh, I, I'd prefer Catherine Sakai to survive. I really like her. I do too. Jeff, I just found another way that Babylon five is like deep space nine. Oh, okay. The commander gets a girlfriend who's a space runner. Although deep space nines didn't happen to like season four or five or something like that. And that relationship took a really long time to develop. And here's the other thing that I got, and this really isn't that big of a deal, but it bug, it bugs me to no end quadrant. 37. Yeah. Qu- quadrant. I don't know if anyone knows this, but quadrant, what does quadrant mean? It means four. Yeah. It means four sections. 
uh, an, an entire thing is divided into four parts. Now you could name them whatever quadrant you want. I mean, I guess if you have quadrant 35, 36, 37, 38, and that's how you delineate them fine, but that's weird. Like it's, you're talking quadrant one, two, three, and four or quadrant alpha, beta, gamma, delta. That's not a Star Trek. It's not. That's literally the alphabet. That's literally it. Right. Uh, That's, that's the quadrants. That's it. That's all you got. And after being so like precise back in Babylon squared with tachyons and all that stuff, like, yeah. You got your sci-fi chops. You got your cred. You sh- you shouldn't let this one slip. Yeah. Yeah. So whoever their science advisor was on this one just didn't do his job or hers. That's all I had on this episode, Jeff. Like, I hate to short sale this episode, but it was really just a lot of, yeah, that happened. I think there's a couple things like I, I want to dive into just a little bit on, because that's pretty much what I got as well. But yeah. like starting with Delenn and Kosh, like that to me was big. It was really big. But mm-hmm. it didn't mean so. I mean, here are the things, right? Um, is the change that she's going to become a Vorlon? Like, <gasps> are Vorlon oh. the next step, the next evolutionary step? Oh, boom! Yeah, that was my thought. I'm like, oh, she needs to see like proof, evidence, some something, and then and then she does, and she's like, I'm in. I'm going to make this yeah. thing happen. Could you imagine what that would do to the universe, right? And just the balance of power to find out that the Vorlon are evolved Minbari. I mean, that literally, that is, um, that's the, the, the Kelpians in Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Through whatever choice, they had a culling that didn't allow them to evolve to the next level that they went. They had an encounter where Saru realized, I can pull these ganglia. They come off and my change, I forget what the change was called, but when I go through it, I actually turn into like a pretty, pretty badass dude out of that mm-hmm. whole thing. Was, have they been somehow artificially holding their evolution back so they don't become Vorlon? No, it could be. I appreciated that she went to Sinclair and offered to share what happened at the Battle of the Line. I, I thought that was a really cool mm. thing of hers. And I think the flip side to that cool thing is that he had stuff to him that was more important than that. Like, I think Sinclair 20 episodes ago might have walked away from some of the stuff going on because he was seemed so much more. But now, like... He's grown as a person, as a leader, as a commander, and he's got bigger fish to fry than figuring out what happened 11 years ago. I really, really was disappointed in this moment. Yeah. Because I, well, I thought they were going to really tell us what happened at the battle of the line and they didn't, it was just a, do you remember? Yeah. Well, parts of it. Okay. Well, let's move on. Like why bring it up? Honestly, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't pay off for me yet when they brought it up yet. Yeah. That's my thought. That's my thought. It it just, it's more like, I'm honestly, this is, this is a problem I'm having with Babylon five right now. I know the world building. They're asking so many questions, but they keep asking the same question and just leaving it there. You know, like, it's not even like they're going to answer a question. And then that answer is going to ask another question. They're sticking on the same question. You know, that's a good point because they they asked the question and then in and the sky full of stars, they did exactly mm-hmm. that. They answered some and asked some more and they've been riding that train. It has, it, yeah. th- that's it. Yeah, there hasn't been any an, more movement. Like the answer to a question should spur another question. That's awesome. Yeah. When you're just circling around the same question again and again and again, like frankly, it gets boring. Like I need you to answer for this so we can move on. Like qu- it's like, we can't move on until we found out the source of the burn and it takes over the whole damn show. And it's like, that's not what this is supposed to be about. And I don't care. Like you, you've, you beat it to death so much that I actually don't even care anymore. 
I actually want this to blow up in your face now. Like, <laughs> right, right. Two, uh, two thoughts with uh, in, in regards to Jakar on this one. So we talked about him realizing there was another. Mm. I wonder if he, because he, I mean, oh my gosh, there's another. And then four seconds later, he's packed his bag, got on a ship, sent a note to Natoth being like, hey, I'm outie. I wonder if she's going to be like the interim ambassador. That would be fun to have a couple episodes of her like in a council meeting being Natoth. Like <laughs> I'm down for that. Is she going to beat somebody down with a wrench? <laughs> exactly. But um, in the war prayer, right when uh, he and Catherine Sakai had their little interaction because Catherine ran into that, mm-hmm. you know, the, those bigger things. And he was like, you know, there are, there are species out there that see us as ants. And so I right. wonder if that was his like, Oh my gosh, we're not ants anymore to them. I got to go let mm-hmm. Homeworld know because this is not going to end well for us. And in his message to Natoth, did mm-hmm. you notice anything about how he signed off to her? No. What do you say? Expect me when you see me. That's how. Okay, Gandalf. Yep, exactly. That's total f- fellowship <laughs> of the ring. I picked up with that. I'm like, oh. Right. I- I'll tell you something that actually occurs to me. All right, Kosh. I want to talk about Kosh for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after the president ship blows up, he walks in because he's like, he walks in, he says a line and then he leaves. Like he's done this all season long. He does it in this one. He walks in and he goes, it has begun or this is the beginning or yeah. whatever he said. Like it has begun is pretty much what he said. What are we talking about? The lens in the prophecy. Mm-hmm. She's forced the prophecy to start this whole thing. Like what has begun is, is Kasha a being out of time? What's his deal? I don't I, like, I need that, that answer. I think it was I season five. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a death Walker episode. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, I think it was death Walker when Sinclair went to Kosh and told him, Hey, we're going to vote on what to do with this war criminal. You should be here. But he was busy watching the guardian of forever that had all the hit, the footage in the history of, of humanity. And Sinclair's like, what are you watching here? He's like, I'm studying. And so I don't know if that was like a time viewer, like, the guardian of forever was, or if it was just a thing, a screen he was watching stuff on, but I think he sees, you know, history, history repeats itself. And he's seen Mm -hmm. this moment in history where he's like, so this has happened on earth, you know, before we had, you had a dictator that rose to power in, uh, in 2024. I mean, in, in 1939, excuse me. And, uh, you know, led a massive racial war throughout Europe. It brought the whole world to war. Now, Mm -hmm. You're on a universal, you're on a galactic stage. It has begun. But I think now that we've talked through this, those are the notes. That's it. That's, <laughs> and that's, that's I, me digging a little I mean, bit. That's what I was saying. This is an episode that it happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, like, I'm really kind of mad that we're doing a season one recap next week because I'm eager to get into the next. Like, like okay, is Lynn going to emerge in the next episode from this chrysalis? I, I want to see what changes happened. What's Sinclair going to do? Now that everything's different. Yeah. Are he and Christine actually going to get married? Well, he said April and she's like, how about June? Right. So, although I will note this episode ended at new year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's a theory for you. Here's a season two theory. Okay. This episode ends at, at, at new year's Eve uh, going into new year's day. And we're told within like this episode or the last episode that season one, the events of season one have occurred over about the course of six months. So if they're going to get married in June, does that mean that, that's when season two is going to start is in June and season two is actually going to be the wedding. Like that first, like that first episode of season two, right off the wedding. That. Yeah. Like our, like is real time going to pass while we're in the season break. I like that. I like it because 
it's a great way to kick off a season, right? With a, with a, with a wedding in mm-hmm. there, but then it also gives time where it's not like, Hey, Delenn was in her cocoon yesterday and today she's emerging. Be like, no, this was, she was in there for six months. Like this is a rebirth for her. I like that idea a lot. All right, Jeff, let's do the thing. Let's boil it down. Does this episode give us any hope for the future? Does it give us any messages? Does it give us any, uh, that star Trekky idea? This was a wild ride. This episode, I think it was a great season ender. Like we've talked about it set up the season really well. Like, like you said, I am, I had to, I had to re, re, restrain myself from hitting play next episode. Cause I want to see what happens in season two It had action, right? Intrigue politics. It brought so many things together, but a star Trek message in this one, not so much. Um, there's Delenn. It's always Delenn with me and the Star Trek messages, but Delenn like potentially sacrificing herself again for a thing that she believes in. Yeah, maybe. Jakar and Londo being cool after the death of Santiago. Yeah, that's okay, maybe. But this was this was not a Star Trek like episode. This was one hundred percent a Babylon Five episode, and I loved it. I'm going to give it zero deltas, but I am going to give it five Minbari Airbender head painty things. For being an awesome episode of Babylon Five, <laughs> that's the thing we're going to use to represent Babylon Five. I don't know, <laughs> Airbender head thingies. I like it. We need a name for it though. Wait, what's his, what's what's the dude? Ang? Isn't that Ang? Yeah, yeah, yep. With his say, we're going to call those Angs. You're going to give them four Angs. I like it. I think I think that's important going forward, Jeff. We can give it deltas, but then we can also give it. Hey, listeners out there, we need you. Yep. Okay. What? is the thing we're going to use to represent Babylon five. Please don't say Londo tentacles. Okay. Please don't say that. I need Talia to wipe that from my mind. It's just gross. (laughs) Um, You know, but like, like what is it that sort of is representative of Babylon five? Yeah. What, what makes that? Because I think we should start doing this, Jeff. I think we should add this to the show at this point, because as I said, a couple weeks ago, I, by the way, I 100% agree with you. This isn't Star Trek at all. At all. Great episode of television. The last three, four episodes of this, uh, Jeff, have been great episodes of television and not very Star Trek. And that's okay. Yeah. Like I said, several episodes ago, I don't remember what it was, Legacies or Babylon's. I don't know, one of those. This is where Babylon 5 is making its own path. Yeah. And it's doing something different. It's its message of the future is different than what Star Trek is. And that's great. I love having that there. And so I'll give this no deltas, but I'll give it all the, for now, I'm going to call it the Angs. I'll give it all of them because it was a great episode of Babylon 5. That's exactly what it was. It was. Well, that's it for Chrysalis. That's it for season one. Normally, this is where we play our game and we guess what the next episode is going to be about. But our next episode here on the podcast is going to be a recap of the entire first season. So we'll see you here for that. Thank you so much for joining us through this. Hey, don't forget to send us your reviews, right? Head over Apple podcasts, good pods, wherever, leave a review, screenshot it, tag us on Twitter with it at Babylon first, or email it to us. Babylon five first at gmail.com. That's the number five and the word first and Brent until next time, Jeff, how many gods do I have to have upset for you to force me to sit through this every single. Oh man. I mean, one that kind of hurts, but two, I don't know, like 42 of them, 47, maybe I like 47. It's at least 47. All right, fine, fine. We'll skip it this week then. Thanks. Shaquan. 
Just kidding. Live long and Zabagabi. Ah. It's my first time. Leadership, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. It's ongoing mission to develop leaders through Star Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. A leadership development podcast told through the lens of Star Trek. The Starfleet Leadership Academy. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts.